Good morning and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from EPAR Trade presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistics, PIC, ShopMonkey and Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of EPAR Trade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 340. And we're going to be talking weight and engine performance with three damper. With me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePortrait, and our superstar host back this week with us, Mr. Jeff Hammond. Judy? <laughs> Thank you, Francis. It's hard to believe we did announce that this month is our five-year racing or um, anniversary. Hard to believe how much we've evolved in five years. Um, three years ago, we actually started these webinars with the help of Jeff here and Brad Gilly. We have five great, deeply rooted racing sponsors on board, believing in this platform and what we're doing. And we're all very thankful to all the buyers and suppliers using this platform as like a trade show lead going through the system. So we're just extremely grateful to the industry and it's, we're, we keep evolving, Jeff, don't we? Oh, yes, you do. And again, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be associated with you folks and watch this uh, rapid growth over the last five years and the way that the industry as a whole has embraced Epartrate, uh, not only on a weekly basis, but, you know, 365 days a year, which is the one thing that we bragged about early on in the very inception of this uh, program is that, you know, you guys never really go to sleep. You give an opportunity where it's worldwide. And uh, if you know how to work the platform, I mean, it's at your disposal. If you wake up at 2.30 in the morning, you know, that, as I, some people would like to say, like DW called me one morning and said, hey, I had a dream. I said, yeah, another guy did too, but, you know, not at this time of the morning. But it works perfectly for those who can't sleep when they're worrying about something because you've got a lot of the answers. And again, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to uh, meet all the fine vendors and associates that go along with the industry over the last five years. Thank you for your very nice words, Jeff. Yes. And so, yeah, we, we don't see. That's why I'm wearing glasses now. When we started, I did not need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are going to bring our two guests. But before we bring them on, we have a special video to show you from Fit Damper. So let's roll the video. And during the video, we'll bring the speakers on. Blue Damper Performance Dampers since 1985. Unleash the power and protect your engine. Engine builders, race teams, and performance enthusiasts seeking to maximize the potential of your engine, Fluid Damper Performance Dampers are the ultimate solution to enhancing engine performance while safeguarding its longevity. Engineered with precision, built to deliver outstanding results, Fluid Damper has revolutionized the world of performance dampers. Trusted by professionals, Fluid Damper has earned a solid reputation among performance enthusiasts, professional racers, and engine builders worldwide. 
Our dampers have been rigorously tested in demanding conditions, and their performance has been proven on the street, the track, and in competitive motorsports. When you choose Fluid Damper, you're choosing a product trusted by the experts. Unleash your engine's potential. Fluid damper performance dampers are meticulously designed to suppress harmful engine vibrations across a wide range of RPMs. By effectively managing torsional vibrations, you'll experience improved power delivery, enhanced throttle response, and increased overall performance. With fluid damper, you'll feel the difference on the road or the track, unleashing your engine's true potential. Thank you very much. And I think we've got Aaron here and with Nick. So we're going to ask Nick to start his video. And uh, Jeff, you are in charge. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. And congratulations, Aaron. Uh, just got married and is coming back from his honeymoon. Congratulations. Thank you. No, it was, uh, it, was, it was a great time, but I'm ready to get back into uh, working on some fluid ampers for everybody out there needs engine protection well again uh, i'd like to send my own personal congratulations to you sir i think there's uh i'm, I'm gonna say you're a lucky man and she's a lucky lady and i wish y'all very much a very happy uh life together and again uh welcome back to the grind as they like to say and uh, <laughs> nick i hope you're doing well today i am thank you for having us on no, we're excited about you being on because uh, I think the one thing that this let's get rolling on this is that, you know through your video uh, we're seeing not the old drag racers or the NASCAR guys we're looking at a lot of you know new and exciting uh, areas that that motorsports is taking uh, the industry and you know how hard is it to keep up with what's coming down the line. Uh, because it seems like, you know, instead of, you know, big blocks, we're going small block. We're going, you know, small cylinders, but yet a lot of RPM, uh, a lot of torque. How does that affect? Uh, and, and let me just break it back down. Fluid dampener as a whole, but just the challenges of controlling that energy that we're, you're creating, that they're, they're creating. Yeah, so... Uh, as you said, like motorsports has evolved and changed. Um, you know, the diesel racing community is getting uh, faster and more power, uh, creating more torque, more heat, you know, the horsepower and all those levels. Um, but not only that, you know, um, like drifting is, is an enormous community itself. And those guys pack in as much stuff as they can under the hood. Uh, so you're, you know, you're creating heat and everything. And, uh, fluid damper has always been known for its robust steel design. Um, we've been, you know, having a lot of advancements in material and processes. And uh, as that technology grows, you know, we we grow with it. So uh, we've come up with some new, uh, Aaron has come up with some new, really great designs uh, to combat, you know, heat and weight and uh, all those uh, different aspects of it. 
So uh, Aaron had put together a pretty great lineup. So I'll, I'll let him uh, take off with that now. Thank you, Nick. So uh, one of the biggest things that we talked about, you know, and it, as Jeff mentioned, is that, you know, uh, you know, bucking the tradition of, you know, you know, larger is better, you know, bigger is better, you know, throwing, going, jumping to a big block, you know, with everything, you know, downsizing because of, uh, you know, arrow advantages, uh, packaging, you know, getting your chassis tight, everything is tighter, everything's space is more limited. Um, you're expecting more and more out of a smaller package as far as horsepower and torque goes. Uh, you know, the same is true with the damper. And uh, one of the biggest things that Nick mentioned, uh, you know, going the jump from a steel damper to an aluminum damper, uh, that also comes with a weight reduction. Uh, but it's, it's not the whole damper weight that's coming down. It's the part of the damper that attaches to the crankshaft or attaches to a crank hub. Uh, and that's where um, traditionally, you know, we can remove some weight from that jumping to aluminum uh, with, you know, some, you know, increases in technology advancement with uh, welding processes we're able to bring more robust and designs for that uh, and then that's what helps increase the engine efficiency by taking some weight out of the rotating components without sacrificing engine protection um, so we you know we have parts that run that aluminum and then the normal uh, single mass uh, ring inside of it um, and then from there um, you know, we have a uh, patent-dependent technology that I'll show you an animation uh, for uh, shortly here, uh, where we take uh, that internal ring and we get stepped up even further technology-wise. No, y'all, y'all touched on the fact about uh, the heat. How much is that affecting your your? I mean, we know you got silicone inside there, and you know it's. Does, it's got to have a limit on what it can stand within the engine compartment. And is that forcing you to change your stuff to use? Or are you having to create you know, a better silicone? Let's put it that way. So the, the biggest thing uh, with that is, um, you know, the, the silicone fluid, uh, you know, you can get uh, different levels of silicone fluid that are refined. Uh, that have a, a little bit have longer working life, uh, but you know the silicone fluid itself uh, is very similar to the technology that we've been using uh, all along. But it's the application of that fluid uh, that is act actually um, what the technology advancements are uh, are really showing. Um, and actually, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to share a couple of animations if I can share my screen. Let's and I do. can kind of show you what we this, do to combat. This, this show is all about show and tell. Okay. All right. So well, also on, on top of that, with what Aaron was saying, real quick, the uh, the silicone that we use is stable from negative forty up to three hundred degrees. Yeah, yeah, that's the working range for uh, indefinite life. Uh, we can work outside of that range with higher heat applications, uh, but those are you know like we do that a lot with endurance racing. Uh, and then those applications, you know, are, are, you know, more heavily monitored. So there is a way there, uh, just to have to work closely with us if you have a special application that's even hotter than that. Okay. So uh, I'm going to share my first animation. So this first animation here uh, is just going to basically show a single traditional layout of an aluminum damper. Um, and as we cut away through it, 
you know, this is the traditional, you know, this is, as this rotates, you're seeing movement of this ring here. Uh, and this is what generates the heat because that silicone fluid stabilizing between the two uh, is what creates, uh, you know, the heat and pulls energy out of your system and produces your crankshaft from twisting. So this uh, second animation, what we're looking at here, um, you know, we put, uh, as we have a lot of heat generation starting to, uh, starting to happen uh, in, in the system, I'm gonna restart that. So same layout, same housing. So now we have a couple of different inertia rings in here. And as you can see, they're moving in and out of phase uh, with each other even. So what this does is uh, this gives you uh, two separate vibration frequency bands that give you um, two different resonant rates because the uh, the dampers um, the dampers work um, you know when that flywheel is moving in and out of phase you get to see um, the, the damper is actually broadening its its effective range so you can tune those two different uh, inertia rings for different frequency bands. So you'll get, um, in, a, in, a, in a sense, you're going to get three different vibration optimum frequencies. One, when the two rings are moving as one, like traditionally shown in the first animation. And then you get another one when one ring is moving independent of the other, and then when the other ring is moving independent uh, based on your engine RPM uh, your, and cylinder firing and different aspects of the engine. So this is a way to get uh, more vibration control out of a smaller damper package in order and also helps keep weight down. Um, we also have a similar layout that we do for high heat applications where you have two identical twin flywheels uh, within the same damper and that actually will take your power generation and split it in half for high heat applications. And what that does is it gives you more uh, heat transfer area similar to adding more blades to a fan or more fins to a radiator, um, but you're actually splitting that power generation exactly in half. And then you can add things like cooling fins, uh, you know, we, aluminum housing, stuff like that. Uh, and that's something that we've been able to do for customers, not just in motorsports, but also in uh, OEM high performance. Uh, most recently, uh, if you looked at a bunch of the press pictures, uh, for the, the D170 Challenger, and you can see a fluid damper product prominently featured on that crankshaft. Uh, and that's a high heat, high heat and high power generation application of the twin flywheels. Okay, I've been doing a little bit of reading about, you know, the, the function of a fluid damper and make sure I got what I, what I just saw. Is, is it when all of this is working like it's supposed to, that creates the shear effect and the shear is what helps to eliminate the unwanted uh, vibration. Is that correct? Yes. So the um, when the when the rings inside of the fluid amper move, uh, they'll move counteracting the vibration of the crankshaft. Uh, so okay. the outer housing, as it's spinning, it's it's moving similar to like your steering wheel when you have a warp rotor. Um, so your crankshaft's doing that while it's spinning. And if you had a really precise tack, you could actually watch the RPM needle change. Uh, but because we typically run lower resolution tacks, you know, you want a nice stable RPM sweep in your gauges. But if you picked enough counts for that, uh, that tack, you would actually see your RPM fluctuate as, as the engine's spinning. 
And so what that what the inertia ring is connected to the housing with uh, by the silicone and the silicone creates a weaker spring rate than your crankshaft. So uh, when the crankshaft wants wants to twist, that ring will move instead of uh, your crankshaft twisting. And then the heat is created by the silicone because it stabilizes the ring. So it only moves a very specific amount. I mean, to me, I think that's, you know, it's almost like mad scientist type stuff. You know what I'm saying? When all this is going on and, and since we're in here all about the rings and the movements and everything, what challenges you the most? I mean, is it the, Quick acceleration or the or something that, you know, that it's maybe more of a diesel type where it would be uh, the torque effect. I mean, what what gives the the biggest challenge for you guys to deal with uh, is that quick acceleration or the big, you know, a steady torque pull type acceleration? So um, I guess the biggest thing is uh the, the, the amount of the event that moves the flywheel and then where it's happening. So the number of times it happens per second uh, when we talk about frequency and RPM. Um, typically a quick power pull acceleration is a short event. So even if it's high frequency, it happens over a shorter period of time. But if you're looking at something where you're on power or you're on peak torque, um, uh, we do a lot of work with endurance racing teams and when the, you know, when the endurance teams are spending a lot of time on power, uh, that's typically where we see the damper, uh, you know, designed to work the most efficiently. And that's where, that's what's going to generate a lot of heat. Um, and the challenges with that are making the damper work as efficiently as possible in that window, but then also um, making it uh, have the right thermal transfer. So that way you're not going to overheat the part. Uh, so that way we can have a damper that's going to last, you know, duration of an endurance race. Uh, similar to, you know, we, we partnered with, uh, you know, most notably uh, GM on the, you know, the Corvette racing teams and uh, mm -hmm. also on the LMDH program with Cadillac racing. So you're eagerly watching to see the outcome of the 24 hours of Le Mans? Yes, uh, there's some great racing during those, uh, you know, it, it's uh you know it, it's it's a long event but it, you know there's there's a lot of really great battles and they can happen you know throughout the whole event so uh, another application that uh that we would you know like another one that we talk about too like you know with diesel and the sled pulling uh, mm -hmm. you know that's a lot of uh like you mentioned dwelling on peak torque uh, especially with the inline six engines, uh, you know, when they get really get wound up around peak torque. Um, so, I mean, a lot of it is just depends on you know, the engine and the application. Uh, the ones that tend to be higher heat uh, usually tend to be ones that are, you know, spending a lot of time into peak power uh, just because it's higher frequency. Um, and usually there's a lot more aero, uh, so there's a lot less airflow. Because the one the thing is that you know what, what to me is, and we keep talking about the new thought process of how to achieve and make race cars go quicker, faster, uh, is the acceptable 
I guess you might say level, the peak levels uh, that, that you're trying to address. And everybody wants to know, well, you know, why is this important? I mean, I think, you know, addressing how much damage can be done to a crankshaft and bearings in a relatively short period of time. You know, a lot of people think, well, okay, well, you know, it can't be, it's not a big, big deal. You know, we're running a dragster. We're not, we're not in the thing any, you know, we're not really running it that long, but it's when you ask for it to run and over that, that period of harmonics. I mean, I don't think anybody can understand how much vibration damage can be done in a, in a short period of time. Correct. Uh, yes. So the, the biggest thing with that, um, you know, and talking about, you know, like top fuel poles, you know, that on, on a good day, you know, you're looking at, you know, just, just a few seconds. Um, so the biggest thing that we're looking at, you know, in that time, uh, you know, you'd like to think of your crankshaft as being very rigid, but, uh, you know, they can move, you know, it's not uncommon to see a full degree or a degree and a half of displacement from end to end, even on an OEM performance application. Motorsports tends to be even higher than that. Um, and if you think about it, uh, you know, if you're doing a lot of pulls, you know, you're, you're stressing that crankshaft, you know, possibly to the max uh, multiple times a weekend, especially when you're getting towards the end, you know, if you're doing a lot of bracket racing and you're, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting to the point where, you know, you're giving the car, the car is giving you everything it has. Um, that's the, the point where, you know, if you, if you look at it, you know, we've had multiple people talk to us and they, you know, they'll take and they'll look at, you know, like mag particle inspections of their crankshafts after a long weekend and, you know, if they're running, uh, you know, a situation where they don't have an adequate damper, they can just lit up with a, all kinds of cracks, uh, and it's could have been a brand new crankshaft from the start. Uh, so even short duration races, you know, if you're twisting, you know, pushing two degrees, and and even on like a V8 crank, which tends to be a little bit shorter, uh, you mm -hmm. can still have a buildup of damage. And then also while you're twisting, you're going to be side loading and, uh, you know, you might even overcome your oil film, uh, oil pressure. So you could have bearing contact, which reduces engine efficiency uh, by adding extra friction, which increases oil temperature. Uh, so there, there's a lot to uh, trying to keep the crankshaft running true uh, for as much of the, uh, the stressed events as possible. Well, Nick, I think we got we got us a couple of questions here, and Amber would like to notice. I think this might be something that you could uh, maybe address. Is uh, they're racing uh, prototypes, Haybusa, thirteen forties and fifteen hundreds engines, and will you guys have a product that will support that MC racing engine? Uh, we we don't have anything that's a direct fit. Uh, and sometimes applications that we do not have something that's a direct fit, uh, you may be able to modify uh, something that we have. Uh, in a case like that, it would be we kind of get together with Aaron and the engineer team and uh, see what's the, the best fit for that. Uh, and, then, and if there's not, uh, if there's a high enough demand, it may be something that we could bring to market. Okay. And then uh, Jim Dowson would like to know, and it's probably Aaron be more than your line. How do you actually measure torsional vibration? All right. So uh, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier when we talked about, you know, looking at the, uh, the crankshaft RPM. Uh, and typically what we do is we'll instrument, 
uh, the free end of the crankshaft or the end where the damper itself is mounted. And then we'll also instrument the, uh, the flywheel into the crankshaft. Um, and we go through and we have to have a certain number of, uh, you know, similar to like a racing tone wheel. Um, so they're similar to like a tone wheel for catching timing, but we want to have a high resolution. So we want to have at least four times the number of, let's say we, we, we shoot for about four times the number of cylinders minimum. Uh, more is better for a clearer look. Um, so we want to have a high resolution uh, in in, on the front, and that's where we get that really accurate RPM signal. Uh, so we can actually see how much the RPM changes at the nose. Um, and then if we take that same signal from the flywheel end, uh, typically, you know, the, the, the easiest setup would be just to have, uh, you know, a, a threaded, a threaded hole uh, in a bracket or possibly through a bell housing so we can read directly off flywheel teeth. Um, and then we can actually use that for the RPM reference signal. So those because the flywheels can be a much more stable RPM. And then what we do is we take uh, that, that RPM data and we can run it through uh, what we call a fast Fourier transform. Um, and that's what will give us uh, basically a time-stamped angular displacement between the two based on different, differ, differing RPMs. Uh, so that, and then that'll tell us how much it's twisting from end to end. Um, and then if we have enough information on the crankshaft, uh, typically, you know, we can work with 3D models, um, or even if we have diameters of the different mains and pins, uh, we can look at you know, how much that crankshaft is getting stressed based on that displacement. Um, and you know, most published materials have a vibration stress limit, so we can tell you an idea of you know how much how much percentage of the engine are you uh, of, the, of the crankshaft strength are you using when, when it's displacing like that. Um, a lot of times we work on, uh, you know, if we work with OEM perform back performance teams, we can have access to that information. Uh, we can even simulate some of that ahead of time and then verify it with the measurements. But the biggest thing is getting a really high resolution RPM signal and then feeding that through our test equipment. Um, we use equipment out of Germany called uh, a company called Rotec. Um, mm -hmm. And it's uh, kind of a it's one that a lot of people in the industry use, and that's what does the fast Fourier transform. And we can do, you know, you know, millions of readings per second if we have the resolution. You keep referencing, you know, crankshaft and flywheel and bell housing. Does anything as far as the drivetrain affect you guys on the other end? I mean, if you got a a bad rear gear transmission, you know, anything like that. How much can all that also challenge the, the dampener at the front? So it's a good, um, a lot of it has to do with how well uh, the, the engine is isolated from the rest of the driveline. Uh, mm -hmm. Typically, you know, a lot of racing applications will have either a really, a really stiff uh, sprung hub in, in the clutch system or potentially even solid disc clutches, uh, especially on like multi-disc clutches. And in those situations, you can have some vibration and feedback into the engine, especially if you have a, you know, a harsh event that's going on further down. Um, you know, typically if you think about a normal road going car, 
Um, you know, a lot of times dual mass flywheels are really popular right now, especially on um, uh, like DCT style transmissions, um, you know, where it, it's basically like an automated manual that uh, they even use a similar to a dual mass flywheel system. And that isolates the engine from the drive line. But in racing applications, that kind of makes the, the feel of the system, for lack of a better term, it, it makes the feedback a little numb uh because there's that little bit of disconnection with the compliance so a lot of times if you go to a solid mass flywheel you can have some of that feedback into your system uh, and that's where um, it would be similar to uh, um, similar to like misfires and stuff like that where they can have an effect on vibration where they actually raise the overall level of the vibration of the uh, the engine so I just want to close this out from my own mind here. How about the mounting of the engine itself? Solid mounted, you know, versus, you know, having, you know, flexible or a little bit of movement, like with one of the engine mounts or something like that. Does that also factor into what, you know, series of dampener that might need to be used? So the mounting itself, I would say, doesn't actually affect uh, the engines other than, you know, the physical limits of the material that you're bolting to. But mm -hmm. what it does, uh, what a good damper or what, what a, an upgraded damper will give you is it'll actually reduce the amount of vibration from the engine outward to your chassis. Um, okay. I've had a few uh, project vehicles of my own that I've worked, you know, that I've worked on that either were too high a durometer isolation or you know maybe full solid if it's a, a unique application where i'm you know swapping in something that doesn't necessarily you know fit very well um and that's where putting something you know putting a, an upgraded damper on there like the flu damper uh if, you, if you're reducing all the vibrations uh that are transmitted from the engine to the chassis uh the better uh, so the flu damper with the broadband vibration damping actually it reduces more than just the engine firing it reduces all the auxiliary uh, vibrations that you get from different components on the engine uh, and that's where you see an overall reduction of uh, chassis vibration with solid or really rigid mounting or hydrometer mounting and nick hopefully you uh saw that amber replied to your answer and said that she really appreciated it and she's definitely interested in discussing it further and said are you familiar uh with uh, radical racing and or wolf racing and we just got a one this came up from uh from tom and tom wants to know that how does torsional vibration differ between engine configurations v8 versus six cylinder gas versus diesel so uh the biggest, the biggest difference between the V8 and the V6, as far as vibrations go, um, typically, well, the cylinder count. So you have uh, different numbers of uh, your reciprocating masses. Uh, so like the reciprocating parts of your connecting rods and you know, your wrist pins and your pistons, um, those are gonna act differently because there's different counts of them. So a four stroke V8, uh, half of those cylinders fire every rotation so you're going to have four power pulses uh, which we call vibration orders so a fourth order is going to be predominant uh, when you're getting when you're on power with a v8 application and then um, you know in a six cylinder you're going to have three three cylinders firing so your third order three power pulses 
inline sixes uh, tend to have also, uh, you know, because of the longer crankshaft layout and the way that they're spaced, um, typically 120 degrees between counterweight throws. Uh, they also have a four and a half order that has to do with uh, that 120 degree spacing uh, and the inline configuration. Um, so, you know, the half orders are a little tricky to wrap their head around, but V8s also have a similar contribution from a two and a half order. Uh, but uh, so, so basically knowing the cylinder configuration of the engine um, helps to define uh, one, where those vibration pulses are going to happen, what RPM and uh, what frequency. And then uh, gas versus diesel. Typically diesel uh, applications have a lot heavier uh, pistons and connecting rods and rotating assemblies. So they tend to have a little bit more harsh vibration. Um, you know, so the twist is a little bit higher because you have more mass uh, that you have to, that you're you know, accelerating from, from stop to full speed and then back. So that causes more twisting of the crankshaft with heavier rotating assemblies. And also higher cylinder pressures. Um, so basically, uh, if you were to look at it like a bell, um, you know, a gas engine, you're not striking the bell quite as hard, so it doesn't ring out as much. Where a diesel engine, right. if you're striking that bell extremely hard, it's going to ring out a lot more if you don't have uh, enough damping. You guys sound like you got your hands full. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. So how do you keep up with all the all the uh, changes across the industry, Nick? I mean, is that uh, is that an ongoing every day? You know, having to get on the computer and, and see what's going on in different racing associations or people? Do they reach out to you and let you know that we're getting ready to make a uh, engine displacement you know change? I mean, how does that work? You know, especially with you know. Um, people who build customer engines versus people who build uh, spec engines for series, you know, that we see just like with the uh, Craftsman truck series, for example. Yeah. So we're, it's pretty much a daily thing. Uh, we, we get requests for uh, different engines. There's so many different platforms and, and uh, manufacturers. So it's, it's a little tough to keep up with them all, but we uh, kind of, see you know see which ones we're getting the most requests for uh if it's one that um is uh very popular uh that, that has a high demand it may it may get a little bit further ahead with uh production if it's something we do um as far as some of the like one-off things uh we had mentioned about adapting or uh modifying one of our current dampers that would fit uh, in that like spec um, and that would be like you know we would discuss with Aaron and say okay this is the engine um, this is their their power their number of cylinders uh, we kind of mm -hmm. feed Aaron uh, x amount of information and then he'll come back and say okay uh, this 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 may work uh, if if they can you know if it's the right belt configuration uh, backspacing and sometimes an adapter or something may have to be made um, and and it's you know it's kind of just one of those things where uh, we try to work through it and hopefully we can come to an answer and a, and a product that'll work for them right then and there and uh, to build on what Nick had mentioned uh, another thing that we do 
uh, when we're going through and trying to figure out uh, what damper might work for an application when we get a call for an application that we don't necessarily have a catalog offering for. Um, mm -hmm. What we'll do is we'll gather some information from the customer. Uh, typically, people come to us because they have a problem. So we want to figure out, you know, we'll cylinder count. Um, we want to figure out what RPM is causing this issue. Um, then I can go back and do some calculations and figure out, you know, what possible, um, let's say, vibration pulses per revolution are causing, what can potentially be causing problems at that RPM. And then what I can do is back that into um, a frequency. And then I have some calculations, uh, some quick calculation sheets to figure out which damper from our catalog that potentially fits uh, that frequency for, you know, that engine. Um, and we can get a pretty quick uh, estimate on something that would work for the application. And then we, we'll, we'll sit, you know, we'll have a conference call. Uh, we'll talk with our customers and figure out, you know, what do they need for belt routing? What kind of space is available? Um, we kind of get an idea of, you know, we'll get an estimated weight to make sure that we're not going to overload, you know, the first main and stuff like that. Um, and then once we get further down the road, we talk about, you know, do people need dry sump drives? Uh, you know, they have a special uh, belt drive system, some like a synchronous drive or a timing drive, stuff like that. Hypothetically, I'm, and I'm not trying to put you guys in a, in a corner, but maybe you can answer the question of, you, you sound like, you know, you do a lot of working on the phone or you know, let's just say with Zoom calls or whatever. Do you ever find a need to go to a location or a customer to you know be a part of the actual either running it on dyno chassis dyno racetrack or anything like that yes so uh typically you know some you know, sometimes if we're working with uh people that don't necessarily have full access to everything uh as far as the measurements uh for the engine uh, so mm -hmm. like maybe they don't have you know 3d models of the rotating assembly uh, or they're building something that's unique something that's a little bit older um, you know it, we work with some people that build vintage formula engines for like open wheel race cars mm -hmm. and uh, we were actually doing some some pre-measurement testing uh, on engines with that pretty much don't have any vibration control devices and measuring the crankshaft twist that was there on the original crankshafts and then measuring it on a crankshaft that they had custom built for the application. And then, um, you know, in this case, we were measuring a damper that was a pendulum style damper, uh, similar to uh, what's used in a lot of aircraft engines, uh, because that's what they could fit. Uh, and that's what they had come up with. Um, and we measured the differences between that. Uh, and then from there, we actually were able to estimate a catalog that could potentially help further. Uh, so sometimes it is necessary, especially on a truly uh, unique build or even a real low volume build on something that's uh, not, let's just say, sometimes, some cases, some of these engines are really difficult to replace and components, you know, at this point could potentially be replaceable on some of the vintage race cars. Um, we, we have traveled out in the past and done vibration testing. Uh, ahead of time to see what, we, what the engine could potentially need um, and then go from there. 
you know, you brought up something very that got my attention was talking about airplane engines. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I did some, again, some research and people always talk about, you know, how important a dampener, a balancer is. I mean, whether it's yours or, you know, but something to take the harmonics and <clears throat> the peak, the levels that are so detrimental to the cranks and bearings out of that. Are there engines out there in, into today's world that you guys find? And you, like I said, you mentioned airplane, vintage engines. Are there engines that don't have balancers that need to have balancers? And can you do something about that? Can you design a balancer to help a crankshaft? If, if, if the engine has a crankshaft in it, can y'all help it? The one that comes to mind right, right off the bat for me is the uh, Cummins inline for the 4BT. Okay. That one does not have a damper, um, and it's a, a, a pesky one with a lot of vibrations. Um, and uh, it, it's one of those things, uh, one of our dampers will work for that application. So, so we, we are able to accommodate that engine itself. Now, that, to me, I find very remarkable to a certain degree. When you design an engine, you don't take, you should, you know, you didn't do it. And then, then you got to put it on there. And I, I, you know, I guess that's got to be some kind of satisfaction for, for, you know, Aaron as an engineer and your company, Nick, for being able to, to provide that service. Yeah, and the biggest thing um, with applications like that, uh, especially, you know, when, when it gets moved to, you know, let's say it's, it's living its life in a, you know, a box truck. Uh, which I think is a very common application for the 4BT. Um, you know, you, you're going to switch it to, you know, performance application. Um, I mean, it could still be in the race. It could still be in the box truck. I've seen people race box trucks. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the biggest thing is once you start pushing it outside of its design window, uh, that's when you run into a situation where, you know, the engine's designed to, to run a nice long life at a certain power level. Uh, but even just increasing, you know, turbo pressures and injection pressures and pushing more fuel can get can get into an application where, you know, you're going to start having some issues with throwing belts or maybe you have some fasteners loosening up. And uh, that one just happens to be a nice application where that runs a similar 45 millimeter bolt pattern as the, the 4BT or as the 6BT uh, on the older engines. And then, you know, the, the you know, the newer engines, it's, it's similar still the same pattern. Um, there are some automotive applications too uh, that use engines that don't run dampers. Um, a lot of times those are once again, lower power level ones, uh, especially if you're pulling it out of a production vehicle. Um, automotive engineers, you know, if, if they were given free reign, you know, they, you know, I would imagine designers would design things to be the best they could, but you know, we live in a world where cost is uh, a really big thing, especially in the automotive industry. And sometimes you can get an engine approved without a damper. Uh, they typically tend to be, you know, low power applications. Um, but, you know, once, you know, you got to push more power for racing, and, you know, you want to be faster, you want to, you know, but you don't necessarily want to have your, you still want to have your engine last just as long. And that's where adding a damper helps. Well, guys, I know we're getting here kind of close to the end of, the, of our seminar. 
but I want to make sure. Do you have anything else that's coming down the line, uh, Nick or uh, Aaron, that you know you wanted to share with the folks that before you know we? I just want to make sure I, I've asked enough of the right questions. But do you have any other new products? Because it sounds like you guys are on top of everything that's kind of current right at the moment, and always keeping your eyes uh, looking forward as far as what's coming down the pike. Also, yeah. So currently, uh, our biggest release that'll be coming out uh, we mentioned it we, we touched on earlier is uh, aluminum dampers uh, for certain applications steel dampers will still be number one um, but uh, in, in some some applications uh, we will have an aluminum offering available as Aaron said with uh, different configurations on the inertia ring inside different silicones and whatnot but uh, so that's like our that's our biggest I guess new new product um, that's coming out. Uh, I mean, we're always we're always releasing new applications, uh, mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of hard to just pick one. But uh, I would say the aluminum line for uh, certain applications will is going to be the new biggest one. Yeah, and, and I think uh, oh, go we got we got one more question here. I want to make sure I don't leave Bill out. Uh, have you ever made a dampener for a camshaft? Yes. So uh, we we've made some for. Um, We've made some in the past for uh, working with working on the uh, <clears throat> excuse me working with Cosworth on uh, some high revving V12 engines. Um, you know, so we we did some camshaft dampers for those. Uh, we've for quite a few, actually I think three different engines for that you know in that family of engines. Uh, mm -hmm. We've been making camshaft dampers for uh, large agricultural engines. Uh, something like a 13 and a half liter uh, for both okay. noise reduction and twist reduction. And then I, I want to say we've been making, you know, we made a lot of them OEM for Detroit diesel back in, you know, the series 60 engine days. Um, but we, we've also, it's something that we've uh, looked at and we've been exploring. Uh, we're just, you know, kind of looking for the right application to have them be more of a catalog item outside of, uh, you know, OEM level applications well guys it's been a pleasure and it's been very informative and again you've uh, educated i think several people including myself because I, I never thought about putting a a dampener on a camshaft so that right there is uh, one more for the history book as far as i'm concerned i, I can understand uh, crankshafts but at the same time i vibration does come out of a camshaft for sure so uh again it's been a pleasure continued success and uh francis i think that uh the guys are ahead of the game once once more as far as fluid damper is concerned a great company i mean you know and, and thank you uh, um, to everyone at fluid damper they have been uh, you know one of the earlier supporter of the ePortrait platform we have been hosting them on this webinar series probably two or three times now so actually so first this webinar has been recorded it will be posted later on the ePortrait platform and distributed through our newsletters and our social media channel but if you enjoyed that webinar and you would like to watch previous webinars with free damper please go to ePortrait.com we have a full library this is 
is episode 340. So there is plenty of them to watch in there. So thank you very much. We also pushed uh, a fleet dampers back on the homepage of the Portrait platform. So please take advantage of it. As we mentioned earlier, as Jeff mentioned earlier, when we launched the webinar, we never sleep. So we open 24-7, 365. So thank you very much for being with us today. We will be back uh, next week live on Wednesday. And we're going to be talking engine management system with ECU Master. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Frenzy. ePartrade is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing. ePartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier. When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Land speed record holder George Poteet's speed demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. There is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone, the number of times we've gone, with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. And we absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's ARP-Bolts.com. We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment. You work as hard as your truck, and you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Def, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure, so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior death. Demand America's best for your truck. Blue Def at Blue Def Platinum. Put trust in your truck. I'm Michael Cruz, owner and operator of Got Mechanic LLC. Whether we're out in the field or whether we're in the bay, me and my guys are able to actually go into parts procurement and be able to pull up these prices for our parts and use the parts matrix to actually get a profit off of these parts on the fly. Parts procurement makes it even better just with being able to get in contact with my local retailers.